0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: On today's show, the farming industry is constantly changing. New innovations are being developed to make farms more efficient. A research project involving a Saskatchewan consulting company and the University of Regina is looking for a way to reduce environmental impact and save money. Corey Wellness of Crop Pro Consulting will talk about SWATBox, a data collection centre, and how information from it will be used to generate maps that will help farmers selectively apply herbicides. Everyone needs to eat. That's why Canadians and Canada's government should not take farming and food for granted. That's the message from Carrie Holland with the University of Calgary's School of Public Policy who prepared a report on Canada's food security. Holland says food security is vital and government policy must reflect the essential service agriculture provides for the country. She says there will be dire consequences if farmers don't get the support they need. When we come back, Corey Wellness.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: A team of University of Regina researchers and a crop consulting company are working on a project that will help farmers reduce their environmental impact while maximizing their economic returns. Corey Wellness with Crop Pro Consulting is here to talk about the project. Uh, Corey, first of all, just give us some background on your work in the industry.
2: Yeah, well, Crop Pro Consulting started in 2003, I was an agronomist for the local co-ops around here for eight years, and there was a pretty strong desire in the area for many farmers who didn't feel they had time to adequately scout their co- crops through weeds and insects and diseases, and so I started my own business back in 2003, so a crop consulting business. and then in 2008, we got into a lot of precision ag services, variable rate fertilizer and seed. and building a specific type of soil map for that called SWAT maps and so yeah, the business has grown into today I think we have approximately 30 staff one's in Manitoba two are in Alberta everyone else is in Saskatchewan and about half the staff are agronomy based they'd be doing mostly field scouting and soil sampling and recommendations and direct to farmer type things and the other half of the staff would be technical in regards to our precision ag services so they'd be mapping and building maps and prescription files and that type of thing.
1: So just how many acres are we talking about that Crop Pro looks after?
2: On the variable rate side it's approximately seven hundred and fifty thousand. That's probably about ninety percent of our business now. We do localized crop scouting services in the one hour radius of Nakem and then the area around Yorkton. Those are the only areas we're currently providing crop scouting services.
1: What got you interested in working on this particular research project with the university? You've done other research before, but what was it about this one that interested you?
2: Yeah, we do a lot of research. The U of R project is a machine learning project. What's interesting about that is, uh, you know, a lot of what we do today is very subjective type work, so... An agronomist goes out to the field identifies a crop identifies a weed maybe does uh, a plants down plant down count and that type of thing and what machine learning is is it's this all becomes done by machines so you by feeding it hundreds of thousands of images you train the system to identify a certain plant let's say it's wild buckwheat so once it's been identified thousands of times then the uh, algorithm knows what that is and so next time it sees that image it can identify it that it's a wild buckwheat plant and it can be trained to count them and things like that. So, So right now, I mean, it's very costly to people to drive to fields, for people to quad around them and really can't always see the entire field. Whereas this new technology now, we can mount cameras on pieces of equipment um, we're doing a lot of the initial research with quads, driving around to test the algorithms. and yeah, so it's just a it's a way of, you could say, getting high resolution data that's no longer subjective. You could We could technically within a year or two be scouting entire farms at a certain point in time, and within an hour, have a complete data set on what's out in the field.
1: Now, you've mentioned SWAT box. How does it connect with the work that's being done with the U of R?
2: Well, SWAT box is an instrument that we designed here to take electrical conductivity measurements. So what that does is it builds a map in the field that's related to soil textures, water content, and solute content, which is a lot of people would think of it as a sort of range in salinity and salt levels that would affect the crop. So that underlying data, how it's used with uh, University of Regina research is we can predict certain weeds will probably thrive in certain environments. So in Northeast Saskatchewan, Campanedal is a weed that really loves wet depressions, sloughy type areas, and, and the swab box, it helps to build these maps so we, we can clearly identify where these sloughy type depressions will be. It would also differentiate between an area of the field that, say, is saline, has a lot of salts in it. And that's probably where kochia will thrive. So between the machine learning algorithm and this, this other type of data, the soil-based data that we collect, we can predict where weeds are probably going to show up in the field, and we can verify it. And so farmers can do, like there's a lot of pre-plant herbicides that people would apply for kosher, such as edge. Um, and in those areas, you could say put on the heavy rates because, you know, you're going to have kosher in your sled of the areas. And then maybe on the top of a hill where it's predicted that you won't have any kosher at all, you could put on the light rate or maybe no rates at all.
1: Corey Willness with Crop Pro Consulting is our guest talking about precision Egg research project with the hope of saving farmers some money on herbicides. So Corey, you go about this lengthy process of collecting all this data and then you share it with the researchers?
2: The team at the University of Regina, they're, they're specialized in the machine learning algorithms. So we're collecting all the data, we're doing all the field work, We're doing all the ground truthing of the maps. We're providing a lot of the insight of how we want things to work. We're doing variable rate applications. We're building all the maps. And the University of Regina is doing all the machine learning training. So we'll send them thousands of images from a field and their team is specifically developing the algorithm that identifies what's crop, what's weeds, what weed types are here and building them into that we can then go and use in the field. So their part is very specific to building the machine learning algorithms.
1: A very interesting project. So tell us what the end goal is and uh, how will farmers benefit from this?
2: Farming has become, you could say, very efficient with big equipment. We can get things done fast and generally do a pretty good job. But today we're generally doing everything at a constant rate. And in some cases, just an average rate on the field, you'd be better off if you, I'll use a weed control example, were increasing the rates in areas with high weed populations and difficult to control weeds, and you were reducing the rates on areas that were had very little weed populations or smaller weeds or easy to control weeds. Uh, and in that case, this is a perfect example of, you know, getting better control and, and sometimes people will treat a whole field for the worst weed when it's only on 10% of the field. So in that kind of a case, you could say 90% of the field, you could use a reduced rate of a certain product and get the same control. So there's lots of ways to minimize environmental impacts from not overapplying, reduce people's costs. And at the end of the day, we can do a better job and save people money at the same time. So that's the ultimate goal.
1: Do you have a particular time frame for this project? And maybe just explain what the next steps will be.
2: Well, we started it last year. And so in 2019, we did many fields. And it was, but that was just a proof of concept just to see if it, it all made sense. It was a productive and worthwhile cause. So this year we submitted a bigger project. So it's another three years now, the plan is. So you could say it's being developed on both ends of the spectrum. There's many, many crops, probably 20 different crops that need to be trained in Saskatchewan. Hundreds of different weeds, lots of unique um, algorithms related to training it to say, okay, if this is a saline area, what weeds would be expecting here? So a little bit of data analysis going on with that. And then from the farming standpoint, I guess you could say it's our job but. Proper consulting to get this technology into the hands of farmers. So we have to build a scalable solution that farmers can go out and map these things in their fields at very, very low cost and with almost no effort at all, so that we can, you know, provide them with variable rate herbicide applications and, you know, recommendations that fit their farm.
1: Maybe just explain who uh, the other team members are for this project.
2: Some of the key team members, Abdul. Mohammed from the University of Regina and Derek Rood, our R and D manager here at Crop Pro. These people putting in hundreds and hundreds of hours to build this stuff, and I'd like to thank them for their hard work.
1: Corey Wellness is with Crop Pro Consulting. After the break, Carrie Holland with the University of Calgary shares a recent report on food security and why farming should not be taken for granted
0: digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Carrie Holland with the University of Calgary School of Public Policy talking about a recent report on food security. Carrie, maybe first of all explain what the consequences will be for governments that don't provide support to farmers.
0: We need to be reactive right now in terms of the pandemic helping our, our primary producers and our processors weather the storm of this crisis, but we need to have this longer term vision of what we want agriculture to be, and then back it up with supports and action steps. And I think that we need to better support our, our farmers, um, but also look again at the, the ag food system as really this holistic, um, you know, approach, because There's so many different facets of it that are interconnected and support each other. You know, it seems that Canadian farmers are constantly in survival mode and and that's very true. And we need to figure out better ways of trying to improve the resiliency of our food system. And I think while our food system is held up really well, there's definitely vulnerabilities to it. and, And that, you know, those lessons that we can draw from this pandemic you know, offer the ability for us to create this dialogue on on how do we make our food system more resilient going forward? Because, you know, we're going to face more crisis in the future, possibility of a pandemic. And it would be nice to see some of our policymakers really take a proactive approach instead of always trying to react to the latest crisis.
1: Now, on the topic of business risk management programs, you've said those programs have really failed to meet the needs of farmers. Now, you mentioned uh, that there's a statistic that only 30% of Canadian farmers are enrolled in agri stability. Even this year alone,
0: in March, there was a parliamentary standing committee that heard from a number of um, presenters that, that said, like, you know, accountants said, it's not working for farmers, it's too costly, it's too complicated. And, and a lot of ag industry groups saying, you know, it's not going to help farmers. Um, so I think that we really need to, to look at what's working, what's not, um, ways that can be improved. And I think the provinces, um, of course, with their limited fiscal capacity, but they're still responsible for 40% of that programming funding. They have a huge role to play too, but the federal government needs to look possibly at, at helping the provinces more, especially during this pandemic because the fiscal pressures on them right now are extraordinary. And in terms of maybe a second um, issue is, is just trying to see how we can better facilitate investment into provinces, whether that means trying to invest more in these super clusters, trying to take advantage of the amazing research and technology that's going on at some of our prairie universities, for example. Um, we, we need government to really step in and try and build those bridges between researchers at universities and, and try and facilitate uh, more value added industry and investment and, and, you know, and connecting that with local producers as well.
1: Farmers really need to stay in business is the bottom line. So you've said producers need to move from price takers to price setters. What did you mean by that?
0: It's very difficult because, of course, because so many of our sectors uh, are export dependent. um, We're basically at the mercy of what's going on internationally. So even in terms of this pandemic, how other countries around the world are adapting and how their food systems are meeting challenges will affect Canadian producers. Um, Going forward, I think, again, value-added processing really has a lot of potential for possibly creating more domestic markets and more stability for our producers and adding that value here in Canada, Um, but of course, then we also need to rely on our federal government to be a strong voice, keeping borders open, accessing new market potential, um, resolving geopolitical disputes, and, you know, we need to keep borders open. Canada. Um, with our population for the long term, will remain very export dependent, whether that's on raw commodities or finished goods. But we need to, to try and stabilize our our primary producers here. And I think that not only should we be seeking other opportunities in terms of market potential to try and stabilize some of those markets, of course, there's always going to be geopolitical disputes between countries, but having new market access I think will provide some stability Um, in terms of programming. As I said, I think that there needs to be reform in our business risk management programs so that when, you know, another crisis emerges, that we're better supporting our producers.
1: For an exporting nation, we talk a lot about the importance of diversifying our markets. What opportunities do you feel that we're missing out on?
0: Well, there's definitely a lot of potential um, in terms of Asian markets right now. Um, I think the EU will remain uh, you know, somewhat of a potential for Canada to expand on those markets. But then of course, we need to look at the, the types of policies that they're implementing. For example, in the European Union, they have stricter environmental and animal welfare uh, policies. And if Canadian producers want to trade into those markets, we need to basically be adapting to some of those international policies as well. Um, I think there is definitely different markets in the world, especially right now that um, we see, you know, certain countries, especially in Asia, that are concerned about their food system and and want to access new markets and ensure more stability of their agriculture supply. And, And like I mentioned in the presentation, That's what a lot of researchers are saying right now is that this soft power that Canada has by by being able to produce such a stable and high quality um, ag commodity um, uh, in various sectors, has the ability to create those new markets and also possibly resolve some of the geopolitical disputes that we have so far that are, are putting those barriers on our Canadian products. But like I said, I think going forward, Um, Canada is always going to be very export-dependent, whether that means raw commodities or finished goods. We need to rely on those international markets, but again, a lot of it has to do with politics.
1: Carrie Holland is our guest, and she is with the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. Uh, Carrie, the food industry has done a pretty good job of weathering the storm of the pandemic, but is this going to be forgotten when it's all over?
0: Absolutely. Uh, it's hard to sustain public attention uh, because our food system has shown its resiliency. And um, when consumers stopped panic buying and hoarding products, for instance, they saw that you know the grocery store shelves were remaining supplied. And so that initial panic and uncertainty of accessing food, I think has subsided. And with that, public attention has as well. I mean, just doing a a quick search on the Edmonton Journal in the last couple of days and some of the other urban media across Canada, um, the only stories that I have found about agriculture and food supply have been announcing that farmers markets are now open. So unfortunately, you know, a crisis will kind of provoke the spike in public attention, but we need to really figure out how do we sustain that. And I think a lot of consumers that, that are interested in the food system, where their food is coming from, um, they will still be interested, but in order to try and generate that, that sustained public widespread attention, um, I, I would like to see more um, you know articles being put forth um, from farm media into urban newspapers. I think that would be helpful. I mean, throughout this pandemic, the farm media has done such an excellent job of trying to inform Canadians. But of course, most Canadians might not, you know, pick up the Western producer or the operator. And, you know, and I think that going forward, we really need to stress to Canadians that, you know, your food system is something that you depend on on a daily basis. It affects the quality of your life. The agriculture industry affects you economically, socially, environmentally, and it's something worth paying attention to but you know, going forward, we need to try and sustain that public attention. Um, the the farm groups really need to try and, and push that attention onto the policy agenda of government so that policy change,
1: meaningful policy change
0: can really occur.
1: So you do feel then that the entire value chain has really shown its resiliency throughout this process? And it's shown how, as an essential service, agriculture and farmers
0: have continued to operate while many sectors of our economy have been completely shut down. And with that mindset, we need to understand that, like, Canadian agriculture has really been the backbone of our economy, especially when we look at, you know, certain provinces. It's definitely more a part of our economy. Local economies are so dependent on on the health of our agricultural industry. Um, definitely as a whole, I think our, our, our uh, commodities that we're producing, um, you know, are the highest quality of commodities in the world. Canada is known for its safe and quality um, commodities and our processed goods. We need to build on the Canada brand. I think that's a very important part um, of any government policy going forward internationally. We need to keep promoting our Canada brand. But um, with that being said, there's definitely a lot of strengths, but there's also been some vulnerabilities to our food system that we've identified through this pandemic. And we need to look at how we can maybe more effectively, you know, try and, and mitigate those risks going forward. Um, you know, there's that old saying that don't let a good crisis go to waste. And so we need to look at what we have, what our strengths are, but also identify some of those vulnerabilities and try and, and, and mitigate those risks.
1: So we agree that agriculture definitely needs more recognition, but how can that happen? I think
0: that, you know, one of the silver linings of this pandemic
1: has really been to shed light on how important
0: agriculture is to our nation. Um, Going forward, I think that agriculture needs to be recognized for the multiple economic, social and environmental roles that it plays um, for our nation. It's an essential service that should not be taken for granted. In the short term, we need to be reactive, help our ag industry through this crisis, but we need to have a long-term vision. We need to to step up with some action steps and, and support our farmers, our processing, our packaging, the ag industry as a whole. We need to support it going forward to maximize the unlimited potential that it does have.
1: Our guest has been University of Calgary's Dr. Carrie Holland. It's time for the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of June 15th. The debate is not over surrounding the impact of the carbon tax and the effect it's having on the cost of grain drying. Farmers have been lobbying Ottawa very hard to give grain dryers the same exemption to the carbon tax that applies to fuels that are used to run farm vehicles. The federal government says its analysis of the impact of the taxes have that's on the grain farmers is based on numbers provided by the farmers themselves but grain farmers remain adamant that agriculture canada was wrong in its calculations marcus hurlis the chair of the grain farmers of ontario has said the carbon tax bill for drying corn from his operation was $8,500, and that he is not alone the federal government launched the 50 million dollar surplus food rescue program The goal was to move surplus food commodities like potatoes and meat through the food system as efficiently as possible to help vulnerable Canadians. The closure of the restaurant and hospitality industry left surpluses of food, and the increased demand from grocery stores was not able to clear that inventory before it spoiled. The pandemic also increased the demand for food from food banks. The University of Saskatchewan's Crop Development Centre has a new director. Dr. Curtis Posniak has been a faculty member of the College of Agriculture and Bioresources since 2003. He leads an extensive research program and has released 15 new varieties since that time. Posniak has been recognized as a leader in the application of wheat genomics and cultivar improvement with more than 140 published research papers. And Canadian Western Agribition announced that the event will be postponed for this year. CWA said the decision was made in response to restrictions and recommendations surrounding COVID-19. CWA President Chris Lees said they owed it to everyone connected to agribition to make the best decision even when it's a difficult one. The 2021 Agribition will be held November 22nd to 27th, 2021. And Lee said they're working on creating a new digital experience for exhibitors, international buyers and students.
0: The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.